Welcome to Autism in the Adult podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Teresa Regan, an adult neuropsychologist. I specialize in brain behavior relationships for those 14 and older. I'm the parent of an amazing teen on the autism spectrum and a certified autism specialist. I am deeply grateful to bring validation, hope, and purpose to individuals and their families living on the autism spectrum. With this mission at its core, I founded and currently direct the OSF Healthcare Adult Diagnostic Autism Center in Central Illinois. My books include Understanding Autism in Adults and Aging Adults and Understanding Autistic Behaviors. For more information and to join my online community for free, visit www.adultandgeriatricautism.com. Please join me in helping individuals, couples, and families thrive while living life on the autism spectrum. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining me. This is Dr. Teresa Regan here with another episode of Autism in the Adult. I'm glad you joined me today for this episode about guilt in relationships and kind of that anxious, ruminative worrying that maybe something has gone wrong in a relationship, maybe uh, you've said something wrong or been misunderstood by somebody else, and the worry that you will perhaps be left. Maybe people just don't understand you. Maybe they don't uh, like you for, for something that you didn't mean to do. This is a listener request, and it's really something that many people on the autism spectrum struggle with at times, and we're going to talk about why, we'll talk about what our goal can be, and also some strategies for releasing some of that loop of worry about relationship. Part of the why is that within the spectrum, the neurology of what's happening really connects with pathways that are inherently involved with anxiety. And so most people on the spectrum are going to feel like they really have struggled with anxiety for most of their life, that that's part of the background of their neurology. Now, there seem to be a small subset of individuals on the spectrum who perhaps even have too little anxiety, that they're very underreactive, under-responsive to things that they should respond to to be safe and engaged in their life and engaged with other people. But most on the spectrum will say that anxiety is a pretty constant kind of struggle. In addition to the anxiety itself, the neurology of autism involves a lot of repetition. And there are neurologic pathways in the center and into the front of the brain that have to do with helping us stick on something that is really important and release it when it is not important. And this kind of pathway difficulty leads to a leaning toward repetition, but not based on whether something's important or meaningful in the person's life. And so you can have these repetitive loops with eating patterns or the route that someone drives to work or repetitive um, comments or movements. And so repetition is just very neurologically core as well. So you can see that someone who struggles with both anxiety and repetition can also then struggle with this 
anxious repetition of concerns and thoughts and fears. Another reason this is common is that inherently the autistic individual will uh, misperceive or have difficulty really navigating social interactions and social relationships. That's part of the neurology as well. And so the individual who realizes that they don't always understand what's been happening in an interaction and they don't always feel that other people understand them, you know, that uh, not feeling centered in the social setting can lead to anxiety and rumination as well, that I don't feel solid in what just happened and I'm not sure that other people get me. The last thing that I'll say that really uh, makes this quite a difficulty as well is that neurologically for the autistic individual, the brain is likely to think categorically rather than to see all of the gray area, the complexity, the nuance. And so this really works for the individual in some ways. For example, they may have very strong passions about justice and what is right and what is wrong. Their mind might think of something as good or bad, right or wrong, fixed or unfixed. They might feel that they've won or lost something. Rather than being able, when it's important, to realize that, especially in adulthood, there's not always a category that we can put something in. You know, this person is not good or bad. They're a mix of all this complexity. Uh, this event in your life is not all good or all bad. It's a mix of really difficult and really good things. And so neurologically, that individual is going to struggle to see that level of complexity so for the brain that perceives things as good or bad, they may then leave a social interaction wondering if it was good and really wanting it to be good because who wants to be in the bad category? We want to follow the rules, to be understood, to be uh, involved in good relationships and to have good interactions. So that wanting to be in a category can also reinforce this anxious rumination about whether they're in the good category or not, whether that interaction was good, whether this relationship is good, whether people understand them or don't understand them. So there are many reasons that the autistic individual may get trapped in this rumination about social interactions. Of course, we should say that neurologically, Autism is a spectrum, and so some people will lean toward having any concern or awareness that an interaction may have been difficult. So we're just going to focus on those individuals in this episode who really lean toward that repetition of worry about whether an interaction has been good or bad. The goal is to be able to have these periods of centeredness, to get the brain off of repeat, and to be able to do some things that allow there to be worry, but encourage the worry to take up less space in your life. 
And we're going to go through some strategies that you may want to try. We're going to talk about four strategies. I will say before we start, and I think that everyone listening knows this, that one strategy isn't going to change your entire world. I completely know that. We all know that what we're really looking here for is for some strategies that may take the edge off, that may improve the outcome, that may give more restful periods and kind of stop that looping so that there are more times of centeredness. The first strategy that I think it's important to focus on is to think about what to expect in relationships and in social interaction. Relationships are inherently messy. They just are. They're supposed to be because we're humans. I suppose theoretically, it might be nice if they were perfect, but perhaps not, and they're not perfect. So in reality, you're never striving for a life without difficult interaction. That never happens. For the most popular, loved, welcomed people, these are also people who've been misunderstood, who have had difficult interactions, who've had conflict, who've been rejected. And that is part of humanity. That's part of connecting with people. And so I think it is important to think about what your goals are. And if your goal is to be in the good category with relationship and interactions, that will be exhausting because there's no way to stay in that good category. I would encourage you to think about expecting that really successful interactions across a long period of time with other people will include rejection and misunderstanding and conflict and the need to repair uh, what has happened between two people. That that would be part of even a very good social life, a very good connectedness. Um, So understanding that normative is so important. In fact, conflict and working on things in a relationship can actually deepen the relationship so that now you've gone through something tough together, you've had a misunderstanding, you've worked it out, uh, that actually brings the relationship often to a nicer level, a deeper level. It's also normal that not everyone will want to stay in a relationship with you, and that is okay. Relationship is always a choice. Not every person will like every person or want to stay or be connected for long periods of time. And that is the truth of human relationships, and that is okay. It happens to every single human being ever born on the planet Earth. So the normal cycle of relationship is that some will never start, some won't last, and some will last. And those that last will include conflict and need repair and have complexity. And you know what? That's a good sign because that means the relationship has gone on long enough that we're actually our real selves. We're real humans in front of each other. We make mistakes. We get misunderstood. Wow, what a great thing that we've reached the point in our relationship where we're actually fully human And that means we've been in a relationship for some period of time. So great job. The second thing I would suggest 
is try tricking your brain into ruminating about something else. So your brain is going to lean toward repetition. So it's going to loop and it's going to think about things. So let's think about the person who has a thought stuck in their brain. Let's think about them as someone walking along a path and they get to a fork in the road. And to the left is the thought, I'm going to be alone. What if I'm alone? What if people leave me? The next path is also a choice, an option to go down. So instead of going down the path of ruminating about the negative thought, what if you ruminate about the positive thought? Isn't it just as viable? What happens if people like you? What happens if this person doesn't leave? How? What if this person likes you? What if this person values you and sees you and knows you and understands you? What if this is a relationship that's really going to change your life? So when we get to a thought, realize that there are two paths and try choosing the other path. What if this person likes me? What if this person thinks I'm nice? What if things work out? In a way, we're causing a detour so that our thoughts repeat, but down another equally valid path. The third thing I would suggest is try shifting to an active mindset. So the thought about what if people don't understand me? What if they think I mean? What if they leave? That's almost like a defensive posture. You're, you're trying to make sure that things don't fall apart. What if you had a more active posture in the relationship and instead of focusing on trying to make things um, whole and not broken and not fall apart, how about if you focus? A lot of times the reason that relationships do last is that there's lots of good things in the relationship too. And the tough things and the good things um, are in balance. Or the good things actually outweigh the tough things. Or the tough things turn into deeper things and good things. So balancing the relationship by being an active giver of good things can also be a focus instead of trying to prevent bad things from happening. How about focusing on giving the person compliments? Ask them if you can do anything for them today. Do something nice for them for no specific reason. These are things that build up the relationship so that when there are bumps in the road or misunderstandings or tough things, there's this evenness. Like, yeah, we can ride this tough thing because we've had so many good things that you as an individual have poured good things into the cement of this relationship and a little bump is not going to take everything apart. When relationships also include these proactively kind things and building up things, the tough spots feel easier. Yes, we had a misunderstanding. Or yes, you hurt my feelings, but you also compliment me, you do favors for me, you're loyal to me, you stick up for me, you got my back. So this all evens out and it's fine. Also realize as an active part of the relationship 
that when things go wrong, you can do things to repair that. It's not that things jump from a good to a bad category. There can be these cracks and bumps and difficulties, and then you can repair what has been broken. It's not necessarily the end of a relationship just because something got tough. There are lots of things that can be done to remedy situations. There's apologizing, of course. There's explaining where you were coming from and where the misunderstanding started. There's talking about how important this person is to you and how important the relationship and what you're going to do to prevent a rough spot in the next episode of your relationship. And ultimately, as we said, some relationships will end, but many will weather all kinds of storms and be better for it. Relationships aren't so fragile that you have to worry about never making a wrong move. Pour lots of good things into it. Realize that you can actively repair and build up what has been broken and that you can expect that not all relationships will last. And that is okay. The final coping strategy I'm going to suggest is something called scheduled worry time. This is a strategy you can use for any type of worry. And basically, it's an alternative to telling yourself not to worry. I kind of find that telling ourselves not to worry is not all that effective because the worry Uh, takes up space. It just does. I think a more realistic goal is to shorten uh, the space that it takes in your day. Like you can take up space in my life and in my mind, but you can't have the whole day. You can't have the whole week. You can't have my whole life. So I'm going to schedule time to worry. And I'm going to say that from 5 to 5.30 every day, I am going to worry about relationships. I'm going to give myself space and time to do that. I'm going to journal about my concerns. I'm going to let that worry have some space. And then when it's 5.30, I'm going to put that away. And I'm going to say to myself, yeah, I can worry about that, but not now. Because that's not my worry time. So as worries pop up in the morning, during the day, in the middle of the night, you can say, yep, I can worry about that, but not now. I'll know that I can worry about it at five. That seems to be a bit more effective than thinking you can get rid of the worry. Because when the worry comes back, you kind of get more worried. Like, here it is again. I'll never get rid of this worry. So saying, yeah, I can feel that. But I can't let it take up my whole day, my whole space, my whole inner life. So try some of these four strategies to help break some of the cycle of that worry and to be uh, centered and calm and peaceful in relationship. I'm so glad that the listener brought that topic forth. I think it's so important. I hope it helps many people. And I hope you join me for the next episode of Autism in the Adults.